and thank you for tuning into the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catram. Let's go. And thank you for tuning in with your business and wealth coach, Mac Atram. Thank you again. Listen, I am here with Jake Stahl. And today we are talking all things relationships, communications, and to business success. Now, if you can't have a good communication with your significant other, or when it comes to business with your ideal client, or the people who are going to give you money, then you will struggle. So we know communication is essential. Now, to help you with that, we've got this expert, Jake Stahl, who's going to tell you what that means and how he does it. He has some very unique ways of making sure the communication goes the right way for you to get the right outcome in terms of what you desire. So, Jake, thank you and welcome to the Business and Wealth Show. Oh, Mac, thanks for having me. This is quite an honor. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, Jake, let's get let's dive straight in. Tell us a little bit about uh, tell us uh, who you are. What is it you do currently? What it, what you know, I talked about communication. I know it's a lot more than that. But I wanted you to really explain what is it you do and why that is important to the people that you work with. Sure. A little bit about my history. I've been in training and development for 30 years. Uh, I've done it through six countries, over 10,000 individuals, and I actually have seven patents in the learning and development arena. So it's been a passion of mine for a long time. What I do, Mac, is twofold. First of all is I offer myself as a chief learning officer to companies. So I help them develop onboarding programs to be able to establish a solid onboarding for anybody new they bring on board. There's Mm -hmm. more and more statistics out there that say that onboarding is one of the key reasons new hires stay uh, through the first year. So it's super important that that happens and I help companies do that through a fractional role. But the other part of what I do is I help salespeople and regular people, entrepreneurs, uh, public speakers, I help them form bonds with people quicker. And part of that is through a process of establishing trust immediately and being able to present yourself in a way that it's um, more received by others. As an entrepreneur, when I started out, this was kind of part of one of my problems was How do you introduce yourself and sell yourself? Because I worked in corporate America for so long. I wasn't really ready for the having to sell myself or my product to get a business going. Oh, yeah. You you, you know it. And every entrepreneur needs to be able to sell themselves, needs to be able to introduce themselves so much so that the other person listening in must understand. And, and, And the quicker you can do that, the better. Now, tell me something then. Tell us about your entrepreneurial journey. You know, you worked in corporate America, then you went out on your own. What did that look like? What happened? You know, what were some of the challenges you had and some of the successes maybe? Yeah, thank you for asking. One of my earliest attempts at starting a business when I was still in corporate America was starting just a little bit of a consulting gig to help people get up and running. I'm kind of older, Max, so I used to help people get up and running with computers and printers and things like that. And and it was way before the IT we have today. Uh-huh. Uh, I kind of failed at that because I didn't know anything about marketing or really getting my name out there. So I stayed in corporate America. Then I opened two martial arts studios. I was I taught the martial arts for 20 plus years. Okay. I had two very successful studios, but 
I ran into the problem again of not marketing well. So mm. I didn't want to raise the rates of my students. So I didn't spend more money marketing and it fizzled out and I sold it. Wow. So what, fast, what, practice, what practice was that? Aikido. Aikido. Right. Okay. I, I practiced that for a while. I mean, for the last 25 years, it's been um, Taekwondo for me. Uh, ah. About 20 years, I did a lot of Japanese styles like uh, karate, Aikido. And uh, yeah, so I'm with you. I know Aikido very well, but carry on. <laughs> yes. So, you know, then it's like a flow. It's like a dance. It's more of a gentleman's style. So I really enjoyed teaching and selling myself was easy because I had a passion for it, but I didn't mm. know the business rules behind the scenes. So flash forward, I went through more years in corporate America. And then 10 years ago, I, uh, my relationship with corporate America was ended because I was laid off and okay. I had to figure out a place to go. So I started opportunity. Business. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I was forced to take that opportunity. So I started a consulting business, still worked for a couple of companies while I got started, but now I'm full-blown fractional and consulting. But as you can hear, a lot of starts and stops along the way. I hear you. And you know what, what, what's wonderful about what you're saying? Although you had the success, successes you've had now, it wasn't plain sailing. There was a little bit of meandering, <laughs> meandering, trying to figure it out. And you have yeah. to make mistakes before you start getting the kind of success or the level of success that... Uh, you, you you want and that's my experience as well as well as some very successful entrepreneurs that um, that I speak to so great so so tell us about you mentioned the term fractional learning development was it officer or something is that fractional what chief learning officer yep what is a fractional chief learning officer and why is that important to organizations so reason why I say that is if we have anyone listening in now realizing, oh, actually, I need one of those people right now because of what I'm going through, but they've never heard of this term. At least they know what they are uh, in for. Go ahead, Jake. Sure, yeah. If we unpack just chief learning officer, it, it's more, but I guess it's more properly known as just your head of training and development. Mm. And the fractional piece of it, Mac, is that it means you don't have to hire me full time. So I will come in, I will head up your training and development, I'll get you an onboarding program, I'll help train your, your people, whether it's sales or finance or whoever it is, and then I step away. And the reason it's great for business is because you're not looking to hire me full time. You don't have to worry about the huge salary and the onboarding and the equipment and all the other nonsense that goes with it. So I come in at a, at a C-suite level, and right. I make decisions when it comes to budgets and hirings and firings to really get things going for you. And then I can either fully step away or you can keep me on retainer and I can consult with you a couple of hours a month. But it's a cost saver for company. For a role, Mac, that's fractional by nature. Training and development, a lot of companies say, I don't have the budget for it and it, it's not a revenue maker for me. It's in the debit column. So I'm just going to forego it. Mm. But if you don't think that your salespeople or customer service need training, call your own people and pretend you're somebody else. I challenge CEOs and CEOs, call your company and tell me you want to buy your product and see how you're handled. And wow. I will say probably seven to eight out of 10 people come back to me and go, okay, you're right. We need you. <laughs> yeah. So 
But the training is so important, Mac. None of us get better on our own. We need outside yeah. sources like your podcast or books to read or somebody to come in and help us get better. We don't get better by default. We get better by learning, making mistakes. And that's where my role comes in. Fantastic. Great explanation. Jake, let me ask you this question. Is there a correlation historically between companies who under economic pressures for, for you know, they, they let training development uh, to one side, didn't put any budgets in, and other companies who did focus on training development. And when I say correlation, you know, during the down, downturn and then going into the upturn, is there a correlation between companies that succeed or continue uh, growing if there is such a thing? It just came into my head that, okay, some companies say, nope, like you said, this, this is eating into our budget. But some say, actually, training helps will keep us abreast and keeps us strong in the marketplace and we can attract more customers. Right. And, you know, Mac, I believe there is a correlation. And I'm a firm believer that we can make numbers say whatever we want. But let's right. think about it in these terms. Hmm. So let's say you bring a sales rep on and the onboarding was 18000 and their equipment was another 10000 and you're paying them a salary of 110000 A lot of this really adds up. Right. So think of the cost of training somebody versus the cost of letting them go. So when you let them go, you're doing severance packages, you're hiring another person to replace them. So it's another 18 grand onboarding, another 10 grand in equipment. Mm -hmm. So companies that tend to let go with their sales force or let go with their revenue generators, thinking they're going to save money by not doing training and development, they're not doing the math. Right. And the math is you're going to lose that revenue. And think about poor performance too, Mac. It's not just financial costs. It's uh, your team may lose a bonus. The company may miss target. These people may become toxic to the environment and drag down good producers. Mm. So it's a lot of not necessarily financial costs, but intangible costs that start to add up. And now take a look at the other side of the spectrum, Mac. Let's take mm. a company like Disney. You go to Disney, you get top notch customer service from the word go. They don't do it on their own. They have an incredible training program that onboards people and makes sure they're ready and constantly gives them continuing education. There is, in my mind, a distinct difference between a well-trained company and one that doesn't invest in training. Right. Well, thank you for that. Listen, you, you have a a book coming out very soon. Uh, when is that released? Tell us a bit about that. What is the content of that book and why is that important? Sure. Fingers crossed. It will be out May of this year, uh, May of 2024. The book talks about a, uh, a, a talent or a trait that I think a lot of us lose, especially when we start a business. So let me give you a little bit of a backstory, if I may. One of my favorite sayings is a lion never has to tell you it's a lion. The gazelle <laughs> know, the zookeeper knows, other know. lions know. And it's there's a passion there. There's not a need to sell who you are. Mm. So when you get out into the marketplace as a business owner, you're passionate about who you are and you're passionate about the product. And that tends to sell for you. So my book tells you how to have that conversation. It's called the 210 rule. 
And it basically says when you're engaging in a conversation with someone else, such as a prospective client, or you're doing a public talk, or you're trying to get investors, make sure you interact with them once every two minutes. Encourage a question, ask the audience a question yourself, but have that active engagement where it's a two-way response that needs to take place. And at the end of every 10 minutes, summarize. So listen, Mac, you and I have talked for a while. I just want to be clear of where we are and see if there's any questions. So the 210 rule teaches us to have a back and forth. And it says, if there's no cadence to our conversation, the content doesn't matter. Right, right. So it just stresses the importance. And we're like this as kids, Mac. Listen to two five-year-olds. Hey, this is my mom. Which one is yours? Hey, I like black. What do you like? I like um, trucks. Do you like trucks? Yet put somebody on the phone to sell their business or to sell a product. All of that goes away. Yeah. So yeah. I teach people how to get back to that by putting police tape around the lines of time. Make sure you don't go more than two minutes. Make sure you don't go more than 10 minutes. It's amazing how much trust and reciprocation it builds. Let me just get um, this right, just for the sake of our audience who are thinking, hey, what does this mean? So right. typically, most untrained salespeople will talk at the prospect. Blah, 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 blah. Take a breath, blah, 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 blah. Right, take another breath and blah. Now, what you're saying is, Present what you're presenting every two minutes. Stop. Check in with that prospect. Did you understand? Is anything not clear? Can I explain a bit more for you? And then if there's any questions there, they, the, the prospect will probably ask. You continue your presentation. And every 10 minutes, summarize where you are so far. That's what I'm hearing you say. Is that right? Exactly right. And it's based on a stat, Mac, that most people don't know, but know, but those of us in sales and training do know, is that for every 10 minutes you talk, you generate approximately two minutes worth of questions from the person you're talking to. It's been found to be a steadfast rule of thumb in over 30 years. I've found that to be remarkably accurate. So the 210 rule is designed to head people off at the pass not create so many questions and make sure we're always on the same page. And it's not just in business. I do this with my spouse. She has a right. long day at work. She's giving me the long term, uh, uh, the long conversation of the day she had. Every two minutes I check in. Oh, so honey, it sounds like what you're saying is this. Oh, so I get it. So what you're saying is that. It allows a reset. It allows me to think and catch up. It allows her to know I'm listening. It builds rapport rapport absolutely now that's that's fantastic listen the other thing so good luck with your book um may 2024 coming out um the two the 210 rule i'll look out for that as well the other thing um in doing research on you you came up with something called the adaptive conversational blueprint right is that along the same lines or is that something slightly different in from a sales or a communication or a customer service point of view yeah, the 210 rule is integral to it. But what the blueprint basically says is if you're selling yourself or your business or one of your products, you need to have a couple of components built into your value statement. Mm -hmm. And those components are 
what they perceive you to be and what you perceive them to be, because that is super important. Never sell the reality you sell to perception. Then how long after I buy your product will I see a benefit? How much effort is it going to take for me to use your product? Uh Are you attaining my dream outcome? And when I talk to you, do I perceive that your product is going to meet my needs? And the blueprint Mac does something really cool. When you start to build value statements and sales pitches around using those key pieces, I can tell you out of training over 10,000 people that when I listen to a pitch, I can guarantee I can pick out the spot you're missing in your presentation. But we Mm. do that by boiling it down to a blueprint, understanding key pieces the human psyche needs in order to make a valid decision. Got it. Got it. Okay. And that'll be part of the book as well. I understand. Yep. Okay. Talk to me about cadence over content in the conversation. Is that same part of what you were saying earlier on? Keeping that cadence? That's the 210 rule, is it? Exactly right. And you know what's great, Mac, is you're demonstrating it as a podcast host. I've listened to a number of yours and your ability to elicit conversation Uh is fantastic. And part of that is that cadence. Mm. But if you came on and drilled me or I came on as a guest and talked for 30 minutes, the content of what I'm saying, the importance of that reduces dramatically. Yes, yes. But if we have that cadence, we both want to listen to the content and that matters. So my observation, my theory is that until you have a good cadence, the content doesn't mean a thing. Excellent. Your strategies, your techniques, um, Jake, thank you for that, by the way. Is that, you know, there are some people, some entrepreneurs and their teams who love sales, they love cold calling. And some companies yep. just get away from cold calling. They like the warm leads. <laughs> Can right. your system yep. and your blueprint be adapted for both variations? For those who are picking up the phone cold and then, you know, the techniques to win them over, build rapport, uh, and, and the ones that are just warm or maybe they re- referred? That's a great question, Mac. And it's, it's applied differently to both. So mm. when you look at a cold call, I always tell a salesperson, the death of your call starts with how are you? And yet most people do it. So part of the process I talk about is the perception of the person of you when you get on the phone. But what most people don't think about, Mac, is that perception starts when the phone rings. So think about the last time you got a phone call and you looked at the caller ID and you went, oh, good. I just don't have time for this call (laughs) because you know what's going to happen. A gatekeeper's desk is no different. When her phone rings, she already has a perception of what's going to happen. So we're losing the battle before they even pick up the phone. So part of my blueprint and my cadence is to break that conditioning right away as soon as they get on the phone. On the converse with a warm lead, you already have an in. Uh, Maybe they read your marketing and they're calling you, or maybe they put in a request for more information on your website. It's a slightly different story. Now your phone call isn't dreaded, but Mm. your message still needs to get through. So that building of trust is crucial. And Trust Max starts with body language. It's not just voice. And I teach that as well. 
Oh, you teach that as well. Fantastic. Yep. I'm going to ask that. So the I want to <laughs> the cold calling angle. Yeah. Do you have any openers? Because I know you hinted on it. Yeah. Any openers to win that gatekeeper over then for them to actually want to listen and put you through to the relevant person. Absolutely. And let me start by giving you some interesting things that I hear from salespeople about why they're bad at cold calls. Uh So we will get a sales team that will say, we close one out of every hundred calls we make. So we have to bring on five representatives to make a hundred calls each to close five calls. But Mac, we don't think of anything else in life like that. I don't think in order to find my soulmate, I have to go out and meet 350 people. I don't think in order to make a friend tomorrow, I have to go out and meet 60. So in sales, we tend to take whatever happened in the past and project that into our future and say, that's the way it's got to be. But let's go back to answer your question to talk about that finding the soulmate. So let's say we find somebody that we think is going to be it. Yeah. We're going to do research. Where do they work? How are we going to dress? How are they going to dress? Where are we going to meet? So one of my big ways to get through the gatekeeper to start and to get a, get away from the how are you is to do your research. So let's say I'm calling a transportation company. I would call up, they'd say, hello, XYZ Transportation. Oh, I am so glad you picked up the phone. I was looking forward to our conversation because I, I, I was doing some research on you. Uh-huh. And they're like, who is this? Oh, God, I am so sorry. It's Jake. But I'm calling because, and I was really intrigued to get in touch with you because. So when I break that conditioning, because I did research Mm -hmm. and I'm genuinely interested, Mm -hmm. Mac, it breaks that conditioning of don't need you. He's too busy. She's too busy. Don't have time. Right. And if I can just break that condition, and this is one of dozens of ways, but it's my favorite. Just take some time to do your research and start with, man, I am so glad you picked up the phone. Wow. Listen, tell me something, because you come from a learning and development training background. And for those people listening, thinking, well, I have my own business. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I am the CEO. I am the salesperson. I do everything. I'm trying to grow my business. But I've never s- studied sales. Why is learning sales and studying sales and applying those principles so important to growing your business or even improving in what you're doing? Top line. The top line is that let's take sales and take away the negative connotation that most people have and understand that we sell all the time. If you go back to our caveman days, they sold their adventures by doing cave writings. People sold what they wanted through hieroglyphics. And it it wasn't selling a product. It was, I'm selling to you what I did today. Mm. So if we take away the negative connotation as, um, I I have to sell something and turn it into, I need to build a relationship. And then think about how poorly people have done it with you. We all have LinkedIn profiles where we get messages every day, pounding us for a sale (laughs) the first time they meet us. Yeah, yeah. Right? But here's something amazing about the human psyche, Mac, Uh is when you and I get to know each other like we did a little bit before this podcast. Uh If I say something a little out of line with you during this podcast, you're probably going to be more accepting of it because we've gotten to know each other. 
That's right. But if I would have led off with that offline comment, you wouldn't have been as forgiving as it would have been a first impression. So understanding the art of sales or projecting yourself and, and building a relationship is understanding that you need to set a precedent for what you're about to say. If you like me and I like you and I bring up a product, you're far more likely to listen than if I nail you with my product as soon as you say hello. So the time spans between our introduction and the time I do my product, uh -huh. the more that extends, the yeah. more likely I am to sell my product. So build the relationship first. And that engages trust as well over that time period as well. You said at the beginning of the, the session here. Fantastic. And, yeah, go on. And here's a neat add-on to that is it is a preceptor to further conversation. So I'm setting a precedent. So Mac, if you and I enjoy talking to each other once uh -huh. and your phone rings and you see Jake Stahl on the caller ID, you are going to be more likely to go, hey, I, I feel pretty good when I talk to Jake. So I'm going to pick up the phone. So right. everything you say sets a precedent for what follows. So the first stuff, you, first things you say, they need to be important and they need to be building trust. Got it. Excellent. Listen, you are listening to the Business and Wealth Show. I'm going to ask you a little favor, everyone here. If you're not already following or not subscribed to this channel, whichever channel you're on, please go ahead and do that. You know, the algorithm, algorithm loves followers, loves comments, loves likes and shares. So please make a comment here. Give us a thumbs up. Give us something so we can bring you more experience more experts like Jake here. So Jake, I want to say thank you for this. I haven't finished yet. I'm coming back to you uh, with another, a couple other questions, uh, but I just want to do the algorithm thing because we want to serve a lot more people because we think that's important to our mission. Jake, is there anything you've told me around sales or customer research, um, retention or learning or customer attraction um, that maybe, oh, maybe you missed something out, maybe... You wanted to put the icing on the cake, as it were, uh, so our audience can really get to um, grips with some of this thing. Sure. And Mac, you actually just did it for me. Your call to action was brilliant. But the key part of what you did that was brilliant was you asked for it. Mm. When I do coaching with entrepreneurs and fractional people and CEOs, the thing I'm always amazed about is that they never just ask for the business. They'll... Oh talk around it. They'll talk about why their product is great and they'll never get to, so would you be interested? So will you do this? Mm. And this tags in Mac to referrals as well. Most of my business, I'd say 95% of my business comes from referrals, but it's because I go back to the people I work with and we have a good relationship. And I say, will you refer me? Yes. Most of the time we're missing that step and you just did it brilliantly, not one minute ago. And those are two more keys to growing your business. Superb. Thank you for that. Jake, if um, anyone who wants to um, follow up with you, maybe wants to have a chat with you, what's the best way to connect with you or contact you? They can get in touch with me at jakestallconsulting.com or they can gladly reach out to me on LinkedIn uh, tell me they were on your show or that they're a follower of your show. I'll give you a one hour free consult. 
just give you some tips and tricks. And if we decide to work together, great. And if we don't, you still walk away with some usable advice. Superb. All right, that's good. And take Jake up on his offer. If you've got any questions along this arena or what he's been discussing, then take him up. We'll put this in the show notes as well so people can pick that up. Hey, Jake, it's been great speaking with you. Uh, I really, you, I've learned a lot as well. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for over tw- uh, two decades, and some of the things you're saying sounds obvious, but people don't do it. You know, so right. you know the, the 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 business arena will be a better place when your book is launched and people contact you, and <laughs> you can help a lot Thank more. Thank you for that. <laughs> you're most welcome. Thank you for joining us here on the Business and Wealth Show. Thanks for having me, Mac. It was a pleasure. Okay, take care. Until we all speak again, remember to like, follow, and also share. Make notes as well. Tell us what you got out of this, and we would really appreciate it. Take care. Much love and God bless. Speak soon. Bye for now.